you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Largo Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new used or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. Welcome, you are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Welcome this Wednesday afternoon, we're at our new 
temporary time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And hey, hello there, Billy the Board Up. We got Billy back to this afternoon. How you doing, Billy? I was checking out your guy, Danny Coker, last night on uh, Counting Cars. He's got a good show, doesn't he? Yeah, he just chases people down and says, I want to buy your car. Well, that's what I used to do when I had money. <laughs> I do the same thing, but I'm not buying their car. <laughs> you just say, <laughs> you want to hypnotize them, right? <laughs> anyway, hey, run to the computers and Google Tantalk1340.com. Be sure and check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. You know what? In two days, it will be one year that we've officially had that website up and running. And I want to thank my son, Bobby, for doing that. He's out of school now for the summer, and he's in the studio with us. So hello there, Bobby. Hey, be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook. Give us a big... That's very important because, you know, social media is a, is a big deal these days. Uh, no radio giveaway. No radio giveaways today because uh, we don't have any spectacular events coming up just yet. Oh, yes, 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 there is. This Friday, Blast Friday, downtown Clearwater, and the band is going to be The Fix. So, hope to see everybody there. But still, you can check out our website and go to our stuff page. We still have a few more t-shirts left, so buy a t-shirt. We also have some decals. You can buy a decal. And let's see, what else we got going on? Well, you know, it's summer's here, so, you know, most people aren't uh, in Florida at any rate. They're not playing with their cars as much, so they're getting their boats ready. So, again, a big shout-out to my friends down at Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection. They're down on 66th Street. Give them a call, 727-544-6440. You need your boat readied and checked for the big, long summer. As a matter of fact, I think we just came off a long weekend here. And a uh, big salute to our soldiers and for this past Memorial Day and all the services that they have provided us for and our freedoms. And so, I mean, I really wish they could all be home, you know. Wars are senseless sometimes. But nonetheless, speaking of car shows, well, let's see. You know what we got? We don't have much going on in Florida. Actually, I think this weekend in Old Town, I think they're having the big anniversary show. That's at Old Town. So go check out the website, oldtown.com, and you can get the info there. But, 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 the big deal is the Hot Rod Power Tour, which starts this weekend, June 1st, and it's commencing in Texas, and it ends in Charlotte. One week later, I'll tell you what, my good friend Don is out there with his mighty Z06 Corvette, so he's out there with his son. And uh, so I just talked to him. Well, should I say I talked to him? I just uh, emailed him back and forth because we were supposed to go to a swap meet this weekend. And he says he can't make it because he's in Texas. And then I said, what for? And he says, the Hot Rod Power Tour. Now, about, uh, I guess, 2006, they had the Hot Rod Power Tour here, and it started in Orlando. And typically what it does, it'll start in one location. So, for example, in 2006, it started in Orlando. It's a seven-day cruise and just fun-filled stuff. So be sure to check out the website, Hot Rod Power Tour. But anyway, so it starts in Orlando. They got a little bit of stuff going on. They got a lot of vendors going on, tons and tons of cars. And the neat thing about it is everybody truly, truly is a car person. I mean, it didn't matter whether you had, you know, a $300,000 tricked out Troy Trepania built car or Steve Strope or someone like that. Or if you had Joe Blow like me that just had some whipped up turd that they just uh, threw a couple mag wheels on and a Holly carburetor and maybe... uh, somehow managed to bolt a set of headers on there that uh, didn't leak too loud and show up. Matter of fact, what we did that year, we took the, I had a 74 Z28, known as the Rat Turd uh, for, well, A, it was a ratty car and a turd, uh, but uh, Little Rat is a small block Chevrolet and Big Rat is a big block Chevrolet. So, you know, you got uh, Little Rat and Big Rat. And uh, so that's what you have. We still call it the Little Turd, Little Turd, Rat Turd, Little Turd, Little Rat Turd. 
Anyway, it's still around. We actually found a uh, nest of rats in the car one time, and uh, that was a real treat trying to get those guys out of there. So anyway, the infamous rat turd, or little rat turd, rat turd, Jody Camaro, rat turd. But it was a legit factory four-speed air car, and the car was so... The car was so rusty. Let me tell you how rusty that car was. Do we have any rust crumbling sound effects in there anywhere? Well, no, that's more. (laughs) That's if I was driving a a Rising Sun uh, rice grinder. That would be appropriate. But at any rate, so this car was so rusty, when you close the door, it closed twice. But the amazing thing about that Camaro is the roof line was perfect. The undercarriage was actually amazing. But the doors, the fenders... The quarters, the hood, the deck lid was absolutely trashed. The interior was in excellent shape. The uh, <laughs> the uh, motor was actually fairly original, with including smog. Okay, and it was a factory four-speed air car, match numbered. Okay, now seventy-four didn't have an LT1 in it. It had what they call, I believe, an L42 or an L78. Um, according to the engine tag, I think it was like a two. 40 horse engine, but according to the Vintag, the number that was stamped on the block was a 240 horse, I think, if I remember correctly. And the oh, engine tag yeah. was kind of uh, generic in the VIN number because any GM car past 72 has the uh, engine code in it, which they should have, which is kind of like a Ford or a Mopar or an AMC. But anyway, and it could have been either engine, so it didn't really specify. So you had to have a build sheet or at least have the original engine in the car, which mine did. It had the original serial number and the uh, engine ID tag stamped on the uh, boss. But anyway, so this car was so nasty, but it was all original, original paint, flaking off. But you know me, I'm a Ford guy, so what I did is I took that Z28. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to stick a picture of that up on the website. But I took that Z28, took all the Chevrolet emblems off that car, and I put Ford badges on it. So it had a Ford emblem on the front and a Ford emblem on the back. And that really baffled people. So at any rate, we drove that thing to the Power Tour in Orlando. Uh, I paid the $25 fee to get inside. And typically, you know, I figured I be, would be mauled and maimed by a bunch of Chevrolet guys. But that didn't happen. I actually parked in between a couple really good-looking Chevrolets. And uh, when they saw me pull in, and they knew it was the Camaro. But then when they walked up and started looking at it, they saw that it had a Chevrolet or had a Ford emblem in place of a Chevrolet. Home. They just got a big chuckle out of it. And that's what was so cool about it. You know, I mean, some of the local regional... Car shows, you know, occasionally people will sit there and, oh, yeah, you know, they rag on you. It's a Ford Chevy thing, which, you know, I'm all about that. I can get into that and hold my own. And then, or it's a Mopar thing, and then you might throw in an occasional AMC or something like that. And, um, but not there. It was just cool. It was just the the most amazing camaraderie. So, anyway, my buddy Don, he's going to be out there in Texas. Some of the things that they do, like I said, if you want to check out the website, it's pretty cool. Some of the things that they do is they'll have like the long crews. They got a support team. You know, all your big manufacturers are there, you know, Edelbrock, Holly, Hooker, people like that. They will be there, you know, as support teams in case somebody's cars breaks down, you know, or you want to buy some additional parts or you need something, whatever. It's cool. And then every night they stop at a certain location. They might have, you might stop one night at, uh, let's say, for example, they're going to stop in Memphis, Tennessee. So they might stop there and they might uh, do some autocrossing. They might run the cars on the drag strip. Uh, they might just have a, just a short little car show. And the, 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 the events are marked out ahead of time so there's just tons and tons of people actually show up just to receive and welcome the power tour crowd i mean you'll have three to five thousand cars possibly not all at one 
location. But, you know, throughout the whole tour, that's how many cars could possibly show up at this venue. And people buy the thousands, okay? So it's a pretty amazing event. I couldn't do it this year. I had scheduling issues. But next year, I plan on doing the Power Tour because it's going to start in Charlotte. So I'm not sure where it's going to go. But uh, next year, Charlotte, you know, that's a short drive. You know, it's 10 hours from here. And then wherever it ends up, you know, you drive your car and uh, drive it back. So hopefully you just got something good that runs and drives and will make it, you know, across the country. The other thing that's going on in uh, next weekend up in Carlisle is the All Ford Show in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Okay. That's a lot of fun. I've never been to that. I was supposed to go. I may still go. I'm not sure. But that's June 7th through the 9th. The other big event that's going on is, for y'all, you Shelby Ford guys, is the uh, Mid-America Shelby Meet in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, I know part of uh, Tulsa, well, I, don't know about, I don't know about Tulsa, but I know part of Oklahoma has been kind of scattered around and mixed up and looks like a giant salad. And my heart goes out to those people because that's um, pretty, pretty devastating. Um, what transpired out there, you know, but those people are tough and they're back on game. And, uh, so, um, but anyway, so this, uh, show will take place in Tulsa and this has been going on for 39 years. So it's, it started out just a couple guys with the Shelby club and, you know, they got together and then a couple Mustang guys and a few more Mustang guys, and a few more Shelby guys. And it's a huge event. I mean, it is as big, if not bigger than our national Shelby convention, which uh, which is SAAC, which is the Shelby American Automobile Club, which that event, by the way, takes place in uh, 4th of July weekend, and that will be in Fontana at the racetrack in California. And uh, this will be the third time that they've had it there, and I've been there, I think, in early 2001, I think 2003 they had it. And that was a lot of fun. Pretty cool, pretty exciting uh, event. You know, because the most exciting part about the whole thing is not so much the car shows and the swap meets and stuff like that, it's the fact that you can do track time. And you can take your car, provided you got the right set of brakes, good tires, um, and seatbelts. You can have a lot of fun. And a lot of times, you know, you'll show up, and there might be a guy there that uh, might be riding by himself. And if you uh, beg long enough and hard enough, uh, he'll give you a ride around the track. And that's a lot of fun because you can get up to some serious speed. Anyway, we got an exciting show for you again. we got a really, really, really good guest coming on a little bit later. Billy's doing a fine job, and my son with the uh, sound effects. So we're going to take a uh, play a little song for you here real quick, and then we're going to come back after a commercial break. Now, this song is by Styx. You know what? I forgot the name of the song. My mind, I just had a brain fart. What's the name of the song, Billy? I still can't hear you. Get talking to Mike. Man in the Wilderness. Man in the Wilderness. Now, the reason we're playing this song, because it's kind of a cool song, and this is, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were in Tampa at the uh, Ted Nugent, Styx, and REO concert, and they actually played this song. I almost forgot about it, but it was on the backside of one of their albums. So this is a pretty cool song. Hope you enjoy it.
Ted Justice Jr., President and CEO of Justice Brothers Incorporated. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72, plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. We are back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And like I mentioned before, I'm your show host, Robert. Yeah, we just got through talking about a couple of events going on. The Hot Rod Power Tour, the Ford Carlisle, the Mid-America, the Shelby Meet. You know, I probably should check into some GM events that are going on, too, because I think uh, I'm not quick enough with the computer. Lately, I've been experiencing some brain fades here. Comes with age. You got computer problems. (laughs) I got computer problems, yeah. But anyway... Uh, so, uh, but I think there's a GM, uh, event at Carlisle. Actually, you know, let me talk a little bit about Hershey and Carlisle. Those events have been going on for probably since the mid seventies. And, uh, years ago I was up at Hershey in 1977 for the second, it's called SAC two, the second Shelby American automobile club meet. And it was a lot of fun. And, uh, we had nine, I think we had around 900 cars that showed up. It was an amazing event. And uh, in fact, one of the guys that I met there, but I didn't really know who he was at the time, and I found out years and years and years and years later, there was a gentleman that showed up there from Colorado, and he had a license plate on the back of his AC-427 Cobra, and it said SOC on it, which is single overhead cam Ford motor. Okay, I mean SOC, single overhead cam. And um, Ford made a 427 motor, which raced back in the mid-60s, 64, 5, 6, and 7 the motor was an amazing motor, made tons of horsepower, kicked the poo-poo out of everybody. They had a lot of problems with the guys in drag racing because they protested it, and they also protested it in um, in NASCAR. Then a guy by the name of Carroll Shelby and another guy by the name of Ed Pink really liked those motors, but Ed Pink put a lot of time and research into those motors. Holman and Moody did uh, some work on those motors as well. Ed Pink did a real good job on those engines, but... There was some flaws in the design of the motor. Uh, it was obviously referenced back to Ford, and Ford just figured, well, you know, the cost of converting the motor and doing the updates and whatever they needed to do to make the engine more efficient or or a better engine overall, you know, and to to overcome the issues with the motor. Um, they just never decided. They just never did it. And then what they decided to do is come out with what they called the 385 series motor, which was obviously the next killer engine, which was the Mighty Boss 429. At any rate, uh, I got a nose. We got a guest on the line. Well, I thought you wanted to do your so- song. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and let's roll into that. We got another song coming up. Now, this 
God, my mind went blank again. This one's by The Doors. This was kind of a cool old song. What's the name of this one? It's brother? called Waiting on Your Guest. Waiting on my guest. No, it's Waiting on the Sun, right? Right. Waiting on the Sun. See, I remembered. I remembered. Okay. Hey, it's just about time for our guest. So stick around. We had a great song. Got another little clip, and uh, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Barry McGuire, host of Car Crazy Television, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Being chased by the blue, blue meanies on wheels. The vicious package squad cars are after our own driver. The super driver of the Golden West. The police numbers are getting closer, closer, closer to our soul hero in his soul mobile. They're gonna kill him, smash him, rape the last American hero. It's the maximum trip at maximum speed. Vanishing point. All right, we're back, and uh, you're tuning into Nostalgic Video and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the afternoon. This gentleman has spent the last 30 years in radio broadcasting. He is also host of his own weekly, not one, not two, but three-hour radio show titled Drive on Entertainment Radio Network. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon the CEO of Entertainment Radio Network, Alan Taylor. Alan, are you there? I am. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Hey, how's things in uh, Oregon? Oregon is beautiful. I can tell you because I live here, and if it wasn't beautiful, I wouldn't live here. Okay, okay. (laughs) How are things in Florida? Well, we're uh, actually having a nice halfway decent day. It's not too humid, a little rain, but, uh, you know, Florida, it's tropical. Let me tell you, people say to me, why do you live in Oregon? And I, I was like you from Southern California, um, in the middle of Carmecca, and I, I grew up, you know, uh, loving cars, and, and right out of high school, I'm working on cars. I had a 67 Chevelle 396 four-speed. I had a 69 El Camino 396 four-speed. I had all kinds of muscle cars. You know, I was in the... I was in the late late seventies in high school, and um, so that was you know it was like a perfect time to get a great muscle car that was about ten twelve years old, and uh, so I I was right in the middle of it. My dad uh, calls one day and he says, uh, "Hey, I bought I bought that ranch up in Oregon," and I'm like, "What ranch? I didn't know anything about this." He says, "Well, John Wayne had died and." 
after John Wayne died, uh, he had a ranch up here because he made two movies in Southern Oregon. One was called Rooster Cogburn. Remember that movie? Yes. And the other one was called The Wild Rogue. And while he was up here filming those movies, he bought a ranch called Tall Timber Ranch. And so uh, it went for sale after he passed away. And some people, you know, beat my dad to it, and they bought it, and he was, he was bummed out. I found out this after the fact. And then he gets a phone call one day, and they said, hey, that deal fell out of escrow. If you want it, you can buy it. And so for, like, next to nothing, of course, in 1979, um, Oregon was kind of still kind of the, the frontier land, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of people in, in the state of Oregon. Um, and so he got a really good deal, like 500 acres. And so I went in 1980, I went to visit my sister. I was 20 years old and I found all these really nice old cars and they weren't rusted because in Oregon, even though there's some snow and inclement weather, they don't use salt on the road. So there was no rust. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, I can buy cars here cheap. Take them to Southern California, sell them, make money. I'm a 20-year-old kid. I'm into cars. I can do this. So that's what I did for about three weeks. And then I fell in love with Oregon. And I, now here I've been here 33 years. So that's why I'm in Oregon. That's why you're going to, Well, now tell us a little bit about there's somewhere in your past, in your history, there's something to do with salvage yards, junkyards? Yeah, now... So when I first came up here, I was painting cars, and I used to go to this body shop and rent their paint booth. And I, I was, you know, I was buying cars. I'd, I'd sand them down. I'd paint them up. I'd tidy them up, and I'd take them back down to Southern California. Like, my big thing in that day was uh, Volkswagens. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, Carmen Gias and Volkswagen convertibles and, you know, 21 window buses. I mean, I was like, they were all over the place up here. Of course, those are long, all long gone. But, um so I, I would frequent this one wrecking yard that had all kinds of, you know, old cars and parts and things. And, and the guy, you know, I mean, it's like you needed a part. It was like five bucks, ten bucks. It was like, you know, it's, it's not like it is today. It, it, it was a junkyard is what it was because he had old junk cars. And to me, it was a gold mine. Well, one day I was watching uh, Hee Haw. I think there was like three TV stations in in the town that I lived, three. And it was Hee Haw the Lawrence Welk show <laughs> and you know shows like that right and 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 the local news comes on and i'm watching this guy get taken away with handcuffs and it, you know so and so from ace auto wrecking uh now uh, being arrested for drug you know selling drugs and i thought to myself uh oh they're going to shut that wrecking yard down and so i thought I'm going to go over there tomorrow. So I went to the wrecking yard, and there was the guy. I go, hey, I saw you on TV last night with handcuffs on. And he's like, yeah. He says, well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm out on bail. I'm probably going to get seven years because that's my third offense or something he's explaining to me. And I go, well, what are you going to do with the wrecking yard? He goes, I'm going to shut it down and crush everything out. So I thought, oh, no, there's all my, that's like my gold mine, right? So... I go, well, what will you get for the crush value? And he goes, I don't know, five grand. And I said, well, so if I give you five grand and you walk away, it saves you a lot of time and energy from having everything crushed, right? He goes, hey, good with me. And I said, well, who's the landlord? He says, the guy across the street. And so I said, well, so if I go over there and make a deal with him, I'll give you five grand for this junk. And so I went over across the street, and I talked to the landlord, and I made a deal, and I leased the property for the same payment that he was making. 
and I got an option to buy. I was a smart kid. Twenty. I was twenty three years old, and uh, I got an option at that point, And he put a price on it: five acres on the freeway for one hundred and ten thousand bucks. By the way, <laughs> so I uh, I went back across the street, and he was three months late on his rent. So I. I, the, the way I got the uh, the landlord to give me a uh, you know the the deal with an option to buy was I said I'll pay his back rent if you do this deal with me because I figured you know well wh- why wouldn't the guy want to pay his back rent so I went ahead and paid him then I went back across the street to the to the guy that was going to jail and I said all right so you owed three months back rent of which I paid your landlord here's my my bill of sale. You know, for the you know the the lease, I should say. Here's my lease on the property, and here's the balance of what you got, which was like eighteen hundred dollars. The guy goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, you're not going to cheat that old guy out of the rent, are you?" And he looks me right in the eye and he goes, "You got me." I said, "I didn't get you, but I said, were you going to try and cheat him out of the rent?" And he lo- he goes, ah, "I'll take the money." And he takes the money out of my hand. He signs the paper for five grand. I bought a wrecking yard. And with an option to buy it, and the, the rent was like eleven hundred dollars a month, and I had a huge business. It was great. So my my roots are that I started out in body and paint, and buying and selling. Then I all of a sudden owned a wrecking yard, and then I sold a partnership to a guy who would help run it, and then I started a second wrecking yard. So I had an American car wrecking yard, and I had a foreign car wrecking yard, and this was in the mid eighties. And uh, and I had a body shop, and I had a car lot, and I had all you know. That's my life. It just kept growing. Wow, that's uh, you know what I I have a similar parallel story. You know, life through same time, mid eighties, salvage yard, car lot, you know, the whole nine yards. I didn't have a body shop. I I saw I saw too many guys struggling with that. Oh yeah, that's a hard business. It's a hard business. But you know what? Um, as a young guy, I remember thinking to myself. How the heck am I going to be able to afford a fancy paint job? And at that time, it was like eight or nine hundred bucks today, or eight or nine thousand bucks yep. if you're lucky. So, but it, it, the money is worth ten percent of what it used to be, so it doesn't matter, right? It's the same same money basically. So uh, I thought to myself, well, I'm a good artist. So okay, let me back up a little further. The reason why I wasn't afraid to do body and paint is because I was a good artist, and in high school I started airbrushing, because I saw a guy airbrushing at a swap meet, airbrushing t-shirts, and I thought, airbrushing, that's cool, I want to learn how to do that. So I went to my art teacher and I said, hey, if I buy an airbrush, will you let me come in and do it in the class? He goes, sure. So I took my uh, my little airbrush and a little itty-bitty compressor, and I went into the art class and I started doing artwork, and then he says to me, man, you're good, why don't you, you teach the... Uh, the other kids had to do this, and I'll give you extra credit. And I'm like, great. So then uh, somebody asked me to do a wall at a surf shop, again, Southern California. So I, I airbrushed this whole wall of a big wave and a guy surfing and, you know, the trees and the palm trees and all that. And then they said, can you do my surfboard? And I'm like, I can do anything. You know, art is art. You can do it on anything. I do it on your face if you want. <laughs> so and and uh, so I started doing T-shirts. I started doing surfboards, skateboards, and then a guy, it finally happened. He said, can you do the side of my Toyota Land Cruiser? I want a, a wave scene, you know, just like that on the wall of the surf shop. I'm like, right, sure. And guess what? When you're done, you got to put a clear coat on it, automotive finish, otherwise it'll just peel off. It'll scratch off. So I had to go down to the auto parts store where I bought my paint supplies, and I had to ask him, so what do I need to put a clear coat? And he sold me a little what we call a jam gun for doing door jams and stuff, a little, a, a big airbrush it looked like. 
And and he said, you know, you mix the paint like this, you do that, you put some fisheye eliminator in it, and he goes, you just, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I can do that. So that was the beginning of me working on, you know, being a body man because I'm having to put clear coat then everybody wants me to do the airbrush on the trunk, on the hood, on the gas cap door, and I even rear—I even airbrushed a rear end of a of a um, of a what was it? It was like a, a tea bucket, you know. And I'm having to clear coat all these things. And then one day I thought, well, I can paint. I can paint, so I can paint a car. So a friend of mine comes up one day. He had his car painted. I go, who painted your car? And he says, uh, a buddy of mine, two hundred bucks if you help him prep it. And I go, really? Who is this guy? So he took me to this guy. I'll name him out loud. His name was Rick Ramsdale in Ventura, California. I've looked for him ever since. Rick, if you're listening, if you're in Florida somewhere, I want to get a hold of you, buddy, because my whole life changed because this guy taught me how to paint the whole car instead of just, you know, little pieces of it. So um, I, I just, you know, I, I got, I went, I took a $100 car. It was a 54 Chevy Bel Air that I bought for 100 bucks. It was kind of a piece of junk. But it had a straight body, so I thought, this is how I'm going to learn how to paint cars. And uh, I went to him. This is when I was 20 years old, and uh, or 19, 18. And maybe I was 18 years old. My goodness, I was a young guy painting cars. Anyway, I went to him, and he showed me how to sand the car, wet and sand, wet and dry sand, you know, with a, a hose or a bucket of water. And I'm sanding the car. I'm thinking, this is very cool. Then we fixed a couple of dents, and he showed me how to use spot putty and primer. Then we, uh, when we painted it, he goes, come on in. You can, you know, I'll let you paint a little bit here. So I went into his little paint booth at his house. It was just basically visqueen on the walls. And he showed me how to paint, you know, with, with paint. And I watched this process, and I thought, this is too cool. Because I can change a car from a $100 piece of junk, and I'll tell you the rest of that story is, I paid him 200 bucks to paint it. I went to Pet Boys, and I bought those push-on white walls where you deflate the tire, and you put the fake white wall on, and then you, re- you know, reinflate the tire, and there it is, a big, thick white wall. Yep. And I pinstriped it, and I sold it for $1,900. I think I had a total of $400 in this car. And I went, oh, my God. I just made $1,500 being smart. You know what I'm saying? Being an investor. So I was now an investor and a laborer. So my money was making money for me, and my my labor was making money for me. So that's how the whole buying and selling of cars started. And uh, and then I ended up going to Oregon to visit my sister, and I I ended up buying that wrecking yard. And fast forward, um, I was a guest on a radio show, because your next question is, Alan, how'd you get into radio? Yeah, how'd you know? You're clairvoyant. (laughs) (laughs) So... I uh, I was a guest because there was a dollar an hour increase in minimum wage in our state of Oregon. And there was a local radio show, just like yours, that was just outraged at the fact that, you know, there was a dollar an hour increase and how is it going to affect everybody and the trickle down to the to the everyday guy and so he came in to buy a mirror for his uh like escort or something, Ford Escort. And it was like 10 bucks. He goes, you know what, I really like this recycling business. And I said, yeah, it's a good business. And we're having a little conversation. And the next thing you know, he says, you know, he goes, uh, do you have a lot of minimum wage guys here? I said, you know, I got a handful of them. 
Because, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of an easy job when you're taking parts off. You don't have to worry about putting them back on. <laughs> taking parts off is always the easy part. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, he said, well, how's this going to affect, you know, your business, having this dollar-an-hour increase? I go, well, it kind of sucks, you know. I mean, the, I basically uh, have to raise the prices of what we do because it costs more to do it. And I said, matter of fact, if you would have bought that uh, mirror, uh, before this dollar an hour thing, I probably would have uh, sold it to you for a little cheaper. And we uh, we laughed about that. And he says, hey, I want you to be a guest on my show. Well, let's talk about this, how it's going to affect people. And so I said, sure, what the heck, it's a good promotion of my, my uh, wreck and yard business. Recycling is what we were very much uh, trying to call it, because it is recycling at its best. And uh, so I went to be a guest on his show, a guy named Bob Just, who uh, is, is a good friend of mine to this very day. And I was supposed to be on for about 10 minutes, and 10 minutes turned into an hour. And then after the radio show, the radio station manager, program manager came out and said, Hey, you know, you're good. You should be on the radio. And I laughed. I said, Yeah, sure, I should. And he said, No, really, you should have a, a Saturday show or a, a weekend show or something. You could do a car show. I said, Ha ha, yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's great. Thank you very much. And then, of course, that was Saturday. Monday, he calls me up and he said, You know, We've been talking about it. We want you to do an automotive talk show on the weekend to help people save money on their cars. It'd be a good promotion of your business. And and I thought, really? And that's how it all started, Robert. And here it is. How many years later? Well, that was uh, 2000 and for my national show, 2020. What is that? Wait a minute. No, not 2000. 1992. Holy mackerel. Wow. 1992. 21 years. I forgot. We had to go back into the 19s because we're into the 2000s now. Yeah, so it was uh, 22 years ago that I started doing the show that I'm still doing, which has taken multiple names along the way. It actually started out as called Auto Talk. And uh, we thought about it, and we thought it was just about the time when Click and Clack, you know, the Tappet Brothers on NPR. Mm -hmm. And I love that show, and I thought... Those two crazy Bostonian guys have the funniest accents and all that. I'm, I'm, of course, Southern California guy. And and uh, when he said, you know, you want to have this weekend show, I said, well, what would I call it? He says, well, there's car talk. Call it auto talk. And that is actually how it got its name. He just pulled it out of the air because he was also a fan of car talk. So I said, well, they're the, West, the East Coast guys. We'll be the West Coast guys. And I had my, my mechanic and my, my lead counterman off the wrecking yard, off the front counter, and myself. And the reason why it has taken changes over the years uh, is, I'll tell that story in a minute. So we started out on one radio station, and, and it was, we were only on for about two or three weeks. And he, this guy liked the show so much, uh, and he actually would, had worked for NPR, and the reason why he thought it would be a good show is because he was there when Click and Clack got started. And so... Uh, he says, you know, I want to syndicate this show. And Robert, you know, you know, we're talking about that right now with you. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what is, you know, what does that entail? What do I have to do different? And he says, nothing. Just do the same show. You're just going to be on in, you know, Joplin, Missouri, and you're in Moses Lake, Washington, and Sacramento. And he says, you know, so you're, you need to get an 800 number for your business so people can call in and buy parts. That was about the time that the kind of the computerized hotlines were starting to get fired up to where you could, uh, 
you know, you could um, through the through the computer system. I'm, t- I'm trying to think if that was internet based or not. I can't even remember, but it was about the time when you could talk to other wrecking yards better than a squawk box. Where you used to, I don't know if you remember Robert going into a wrecking yard where it's like, hey, anybody out there got a door control arm for a '57 Hudson? You know, I mean, it was it was just a a, a speaker. And they were they were just yelling at each other. These wrecking yards. Yeah, it was called a long line. It's what we called it here in Florida. That's well, what there we you had. go. We called it a squawk box because it was like it would never shut up, and they would turn them down. And it was almost like listening to the police band, you know. Yeah. But uh, did you have so, letters? Like, did you use Black Horse? I don't. It's uh, dude, for the numbers, I you know. I, I never did drugs, but my memory is still bad. All right. Okay. Well, no, no, because like what we did back <laughs> in the days, if you had a part and it was like LBB or HR or something like that, you know, that way you would give the price over the off the, over the long line, and if the guy was standing there across the counter, he would know it's 100 bucks, 120 bucks, or whatever, because we use the, the code, so I guess... Oh, that you know. is so funny. Now, I never had to deal with that, because we had counter guys that did that, Okay, but I, my job was to put the latest technology. I did institute the satellite dish uh, when that came along, and the inventory systems, and man, I was in the wrecking yard business at such a great time. I really enjoyed it. I'm, that's one thing I miss to this very day is the recycling business because it's just so awesome. Anyway, keep going forward. So we did the show. We were on one station. We offered it for syndication. We're on 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 40, 70. And over a period of, uh, I think, about two years, I got to where I was like on 100 radio stations. One of the things I used to do, just like you, Robert, was get good guests. Of course, you have the best one on your show you've ever had right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Alan Taylor. So what I did, like you, is I'd reach out for the, the best um, guests. I mean, your your list of guests is amazing. I mean, Larry the Cable Guy and all these people, you know, John Force and you, the names you get, that is what it makes the difference between a know-it-all sitting there and blathering like a know-it-all and an entertaining show where there's somebody talking and somebody listening and asking questions, like Larry King. I mean, look what he did, right? Mm-hmm. So I would get the the editors of the magazines, Motor Trend and Car and Driver and Hot Rod, and I would have them on my show because I thought, well, I do a show on, like, click and clack on auto repair. People would call in, and they'd, we'd had, you know, Dave the Mechanic was sitting there, and my car's got a miss about 2,500 RPM. Do you have any idea what that is? You know, that kind of a thing. And and we had fun. It was, it was like a fun show. But every now and then I thought, well, what about the new whatever it is that's about to come out? How am I going to get that information? Well, you go to the big magazines. And in, in, in these days, Motor Trend and Car and Driver and these types of magazines, they were the authority. They absolutely, they were the authority. Where today things have changed because you have like Edmunds.com and you have Kelly Blue Book and you know, all these places where you can go online to find the information kind of instantaneously without having to wait for a, a monthly magazine come out that was written three months ago or two months ago. So the world has changed, but in that day, uh, I was I was on constantly with these editors of the magazines, and I would I would constantly call you know automobile when it first came out automobile magazine and Motor Trend and um, you know sports car this and and off road that and four wheel and and no matter what it was I had a friend at one of the magazines and one day the guy at Motor Trend said hey or actually I said to him I said how come you don't have your own show again he goes well we have you and I go 
well, no, you don't. This is my show. He goes, I said, what if you had your own show? What would you? He said, well, if we had a guy like you, we would do it. I said, well, how about if we just rename my show and call it Motor Trend Radio? And he says, well, he goes, I'm game if you are. I said, let's rock. So that's how I started out with Motor Trend, and I did that for a couple of years. And then Car and Driver happened to be bigger than Motor Trend. I think they are still to this day. And they approached me, and they said, uh, hey, we like what you're doing over there with Motor Trend. You want to do that with us? And I said, only if you offer me a better deal, and they don't, they don't uh, match it. And I've always been a man of my word. So uh, they did make me a better deal, and I went back to Motor Trend, and I said, you want to match this? And they said, nope. And I said, okay, see you later. And they said, bye-bye. So, I mean, you know, I moved along, and I was at Car and Driver for 10 years, almost 10 years. And then, of course, Motor Trend came knocking and said, hey, remember that deal you wanted us to better? How about if we make it better? And, of course, they offered me 10 different magazines, and that was really where I launched the Entertainment Radio Network because we had uh, Motor Trend and Hot Rod and Street Rodder and Rod and Custom. And, and then fast forward two years, and that relationship just didn't work out. It was... In the middle of that crazy world of the magazine industry burning down because of the Internet, and people can go and find guys like Robert and, you know, hear this radio show and come up and meet you at the, at the car show and, and, you know, find that information instantaneously in a million different places. The magazine industry gets itself in a little bit of trouble, and, and um, we started kind of arguing back and forth a little bit, and, of course, Time Inc. comes along and says, hey, we got these magazines called Fortune and Sports Illustrated. you want to come play over here? And I said, yes, I sure do. So that's where I am today. Uh, my show, The Drive, it's called The Drive with Alan Taylor. Uh, you guys can find it on Facebook, uh, shameless plug, The Drive with Alan Taylor on Facebook. Um, or you can go to the Entertainment Radio Network. That's ERNlive.com, E-R-N for the Entertainment Radio Network. And uh, we have a lot of different shows there. But uh, So our show is now sponsored in part by Money, Fortune, and Sports Illustrated magazines. And like I did a live show from the Indy 500, and there was a blurb in Sports Illustrated that I would be doing my show live from Gasoline Alley last weekend for the Indy 500. So, I mean, I, I just try and keep moving with the times. I'm doing the same show I did 20 years ago, less the repair part of it, because today you can't just <laughs> lift the hood of a car, as you know, in these new cars, unless you have a computer and an onboard diagnostic system to be able to see what's going on. Hence the reason why guys like you and me, Robert, stick with the old nostalgic cars and the old classics and stuff. There, You can work on them yourself. You can fix them yourself, and you don't need a computer. All you need is some tools. Well, now, speaking of which, do you have any classic cars in your collection? Well, I have classic, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny for me to say a, a 72 El Camino is a classic, but think about it, that's 41 years old. Uh, it's it's bizarre to me because, you know, I, it just doesn't seem like a classic. I used to think classics were, you know, 50s, and even in the 60s was hardly a classic. But today, you know, um, I think 30 years old constitutes a classic. So um, I have an El Camino I've been working on for a while. Um, I have a 79 Chevy short-wide factory 454 Silverado two-wheel drive, kind of a, a little pro-street kind of truck. Um, do I have anything older and more nostalgic than that? No. I, my stuff is because I work with the new car magazines like Motor Trend and Car and Driver and, and today with Fortune, I tend to lean newer now. With that said, I also own a Shelby GT500 Super Snake convertible. Uh, 
mm-hmm. which is a 2007. So that's when they first. I, I own uh, my car number is car number one seven six. So it's signed by Carol. Um, I had a sponsorship. You know, Shelby sponsored my show. They they still do to this day. So I made a special deal, and they kind of, you know, they worked me into the system of the family. And so this car, it's black on black with black stripes. It's a convertible, 680 horsepower. Um, it is just absolutely fabulous. And uh, so, you know, my stuff is maybe skewed a little newer. And uh, I, I do want to have some older cars, and I... Man, I'm itching. I'm itching to buy something. But every time I start itching that way, the new, the newer car world pulls me up into the ranks of fortune and money and, and that stuff. And so then I start going, oh, I think I need a new, uh, you know, like a new Raptor truck. Uh, Shelby's got a new Shelby Raptor, what is it, 595 horsepower crew cab four-wheel drive Ford. I think that's got my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love I love the new horsepower. I got to tell you, I mean my Mustang is so insanely fast; it's stupid. Yet you can buy a, a thousand horsepower one, you know the Shelby one thousand, a thousand horsepower. What is that, right? I, it's like it's insanity. Or you can opt in for the twelve hundred horsepower Shelby if you want. What is that? I mean that is how on God's earth do they do that? And they do it. And it runs on, you know, regular kind of gasoline. You can drive it every day. You don't have to do anything special. That used to be, you know, top fuel type territory, right? Well, yeah, actually it was. You know, back yeah. in the day, I remember going to the 1975 Grand Nationals in Indy there. And I think, uh, you know, 1,500, 2,000 horsepower was a lot for a dragster in those days. And it's 8,000 horsepower today. And you got street cars that are 1,500. You know, and it, to me... It is beyond, I cannot wrap my pea-sized brain around what they're doing with these automobiles. It is the computer technology that enables this, you know, the variable valve timing and all these kind of things and, you know, the computer systems that that can change, you know, by driving habits, you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's uh, and you know what? I don't think there's an end in sight because, and what you know what still is, what's real interesting is the fact that you've got unbelievable and unlimited horsepower, but yet we still can only go 70 miles an hour. Oh, yeah? Well, <laughs> legally. <laughs> By the way, one of, my, one of my great sponsors is Escort Radar Detectors, and they are, you know, I, I have a radar detector, and it's, they're legal in all states except Virginia, and I have been bugged beyond human capacity by those radar detectors that don't shut up. Because every time you drive by a supermarket or an alarm system of some sort, it's it's like, oh, ah. But the escort radar detector has a memory, and once you've driven past something once, twice, on the third time, it goes beep, and it remembers it, and it will not make that noise anymore. So on the route, for me, I drive 800 miles each week from Oregon to Los Angeles to do my show. Now, this week I'll be in Reno for Hot August Nights is doing a kind of a spring car show in Reno. And uh, for those, uh, anybody that's going to be near Reno will be doing a car show this weekend. But anyway, I won't go to L.A. this weekend, but I'll drive to Reno. But if, if I have this route, it's 800 miles, I will not hear a single noise out of my radar detector unless it is a cop with radar on. And now there's something called LIDAR that you got to watch out for. People look into that. But for the most part, I mean, I like to drive at night. 
And I get pulled over doing some pretty ugly speeds every now and then if I don't have my radar detector. Uh, even when I do, because they have an instant on thing they can do, and, and you know, okay, I just got caught because you know it went off full steam. You know, I can tell I am I am busted. The cop walks up to the car. I typically will throw the radar detector under the seat. He goes, "Do you have a radar detector?" And I go, "Yes, sir, I do." He goes, "Is it built in?" I go, "No, it's." been thrown under the seat so you don't get pissed off at me. And he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, I was wondering because you hit your brakes before I hit my lights. I said, well, I said, you must have had instant on. He laughs. He goes, yep. <laughs> so, you know, no matter what, you just got to be careful. But I, I do like driving at night so I can drive fast. And Central California, I think it's probably parts of Florida. I was in Florida on the bull run in 2006 driving a Shelby oh. and I got pulled over doing 126 in a 55 and the cop let me go wow the reason is because I was on the bull run there was a there was a there was a, I, I can't use any of the foul language I want to but there was a real jerk there was a Hollywood guy who was driving a Lotus and he blew through a toll booth and there's people sitting in those toll booths and it was he blew through there at 70 miles an hour and didn't pay his toll didn't care was in a you know a loaned car um, just didn't care for human life and and I know some people are probably saying well Alan if you drive that fast you're the same way but no I do it out in the middle of nowhere when nobody's around this guy was literally you know one foot from a human being going 70 miles an hour so I pulled into the same toll booth behind him when I saw that happen I paid his toll I apologized I said I promise you I'm going to catch that guy and beat the hell out of him hey Alan we're just about out of time but I want to thank you very much for taking some time this afternoon to join us here on Nostalgic Video and Cars would you yeah, be willing my to come, pleasure man would you be willing to come on again sometime hell yes nobody lets me talk like you <laughs> nobody <laughs> okay well anyway be sure and check out Alan Taylor's show it's called The Drive with Alan Taylor every week it's a three hour show on Entertainment Radio Network. Alan, you take care, and we'll see you at uh, Monterey, probably, right? All right, Robert, you be good. See you there. Okay, take care. All right, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Be sure and check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll see you at some of the car shows. They all do that.